10.25 in your notes, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Now, I'm not going to, hopefully not going to start off getting strung out here, but exhorting one another, exhorting one another. We understand the exhortation when it comes from the pulpit, but the church body must step into a level of maturity that we can exhort one another. Now, I'm not talking about getting on each other's case and stepping out of areas of authority and taking liberty where we don't have authority and lining people out. I don't mean all that, that craziness. I'm just talking about when we have a relationship with somebody, our, we must mature as a church body to the level that we can exhort one another. I'm looking over here and seeing some hyphen age uh, young adults. And these concepts need to get into your life now, right now, to where, to where you step into this. Tonight, I'm going to be using a mixture of scripture and some of my points do not have scriptures. It's just some observation that I've made through the years that I just think fits. And so we'll, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about our first connection at church and that is connecting with God. Connecting with God. Now, let me ask a question in your notes. When was the last time you were on your way to church and thought, we are on our way to the house of God? To the house of God. If it's been a while since you've thought that, then, then yeah, me too. Because just whenever I was studying this lesson, is really, when I was putting this lesson together, I thought, you know what, Terry? It's the house of God. And how many times do you go and never even think that you are going to connect with God? Now, there's no, there is absolutely no way to put a value on the, on the local church in our lives. There's no way. One, one man uh, told me years ago, we were ministering together and he looked at me one time. And he said, you don't even know what you know. I said, what do you mean? I don't know what I, what I know. He said, well, I hear you talk about your father, and I hear you talk about Brother Lumpkin, your pastor growing up, and your relationship with him. And I hear you talking about Brother Patrick, your Christian school principal and your college instructor. And, and he said, I didn't have men like that in my life. He said, and so you don't know what you know. Well, let me flip that. Many times when we're a part of a church like New Life, we don't know what we have. We, we don't. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not shaming anybody at all. It's just, this is just a good church. I mean, I mean this is just a great body of people. And when we, and when we know that we're going to be able to come into a place and just kind of breathe on Wednesday night and get to breathe on Sunday from the world that we're living in and there's people that believe like we believe and we're pushing together, there's no way to put a value on that. Absolutely not. But even though it should be exciting to come to church, 
And I know sometimes it might not be, but it, it should be exciting to come to church. It should be exciting to know that we're connecting with our church family. But the excitement level should not just be on human to human. There are a lot of connections here. There's a lot of friendships here. But we, we need to remember that we are going to connect with God. I fear sometimes that we allow the God factor to get lost in our lives. And, and God is just a piece of everything else when, when God needs to be the ultimate, our focus that goes beyond everything else. You know, I, I think about church services and even tonight, even tonight, the amount of effort that has gone in to what we've already experienced here. We did not walk into a dirty church. We didn't walk into a dirty church. We, um, there was music that was prepared. Um, there's all kinds of people, you know, running all of this. But all this, this just doesn't just happen. The angels do not do all of this. There's not one angel that's cleaned one commode since Sunday on this, on this campus. Um, it's just, there's a lot that goes, there's a lot that goes into making sure that there is an opportunity for God connection when we come together. And we're very thankful for that. I had the privilege, um, at, at POA whenever I was there, the Easter drama that, that we did years and years ago, there was a couple of years that President Clinton came whenever he was the president. And so, we got news that he was going to be coming, and, and it flipped our world upside down. I think I went two days and slept four or five hours in two days or whatever because it was just around the clock with all of the preparation. And so I was working with the, um, with the head Secret Service guy. His name was Barry. And uh, so we were, we, you know, we had gone through. We had turned our world upside down. We had to leave the church, open up our our. Uh, desk drawers and they brought dogs through and and I opened up my desk drawer and found marijuana uh in my desk drawer and I remembered you know I mean people come and repent and they turn things in you know and and, and so I'm like whoa wow let's go flush this now why did I not flush that and I never smoked it never never so, you know, we're taking guns out of our offices and, and uh, marijuana and any, anything else because they're literally going to come through and, and turn everything upside down. So we go through two days of that, and uh, we, we go through two days of it. And so now the presidential limo is pulling up the back door, and everything is set, and Barry and I are walking through the prayer room, and I see the front of the limo, and I look at Barry, and I said, so what happens if I rush the president right now? And he looked at me and he said, Reverend, don't make me take you out. I said, okay, I was just checking. I just, I just wanted to see. Um, th there was so much that went into that man landing in a building. You can't get within six feet of him with an umbrella. You, there's, there's different levels. There's all of this stuff. And after all, after he left and he was there, and then I was just back in the church, and then it hit me. 
We went through all of that for a man because of his office. And I casually come in to a worship service. Whenever I'm meeting, we're meeting with God. This is, this is literally the house of God. It's the house of God. Let's not be guilty of Genesis 28 and 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Let's not come to church and miss God. That, that's, the, that's the number one connection. And I know, I know that we can, get so, uh, we can get so busy and we can get so carried away with things that literally, hey, I'll be honest with you. There, there were times I was standing on the platform as a pastor at the church with my hands raised, looking like I was praising God and I was thinking about the next day. Literally, there, there, was one, there was one time I opened my eyes seriously because I'm just kind of half crazy. And I, and I opened my eyes and I looked at my hand and I said to myself, it shouldn't be up because you're not even worshiping. It's, it's just that easy. But we are literally, this is the house of God. And beyond anybody, beyond anything, we are coming to connect with God. Amen? Now let's talk about the Word, about connecting with the Word while we are at church. Now, obviously, I can't, I can't go into that without saying daily. We, we have to have Word connection daily in your notes. Matthew six eleven, Give us this day our Sunday bread. Or give us this day our, two, our Wednesday evening bread. No, give us this day our daily bread. It's very interesting when, when God was bringing his children through the wilderness that he, that he gave them manna. But that manna would have worms in it if they tried to save it longer than what he said. He said, if you have five people in your house, then you can get five omers, measurements, of manna. On the day before the, the Sabbath, you could get two days' worth because you couldn't work on the Sabbath. But it was literally designed that you picked it up every day, you ingested it every day, or worms got it. That needs to speak to us. That needs to speak to us in a major way, that, that the Word has to get into us every day. I have often said, I'll say it thousands more times before I, before I die, if I can, any day without prayer in the Word is a wasted day. Any day. Well, but I got this done. Mm, nah, you, you did okay in the temporal, but you wasted the day. But, you know, hey, Terry, I made... $5,000 a day or whatever. Well, that's, that's nice, but you wasted the day because we have to have the word and prayer every day. So when we're talking about the word and we connect with the word daily, then we go to services. So let, let's talk about the word and services. And I, I tell you, this is, this is practical. This is very practical tonight. Uh, we need to bring our Bibles to church. 
You know, we need to bring our Bibles. We need, we need to have a way to take notes some way. If you do it on your phone or if you, uh, if you have pen, whatever, because you never know when there's going to be a word that is going to be spoken to your spirit. And when a word is spoken to our spirit, we need to be able to capture that and not, and not lose that. And then there's classes. There's classes. There's, there's, there's classes at, at New Life and there's different studies. Um, you need to look at every possible study that you can take and make sure that you go through it. Everything. I love uh, pastor's tabletop Bible study. I carry one of those in my briefcase, and, and I, I glance at it quite a bit. I, I love the way that is laid out. Any That, that table out there with those materials, um, invest in books or materials or classes that will help get the word in you. In your notes, one biblical truth has the potential to drastically change your life. Just one, one truth, one truth can change your life. I went to a leadership conference one time in Arizona and, um, and it was, man, it was fantastic. And the main speakers and they did great, but I went to a, a breakout class that one of the staff members was teaching and he made a statement that was worth all of my effort. All of the money of going. When I think back on that conference, I saw many things, but one comment that he made changed the way I approached leadership from then on. And it was this. He said, when you are leading, think checkers. Think checkers. You make a move, and until somebody else makes a move, you don't move again. And I'm telling you, that was just like, whoa, okay. Because I'd been wearing myself out trying to hold people's hand and you make this move and then I'll promise I'll make this move and then you can make this move and then I promise I'll make this move and then I'll let you jump me and you can win. No, no, that's not the way, that's not the way you lead. You make a move, it's a clear move. And then it's their move. And there's a lot of people that are driving themselves crazy trying to make all the moves for people that won't move themselves. But now it's things like that, even in the word of God, where there can be one nugget. There can be, listen, when, when we come and I thank God for everything, I thank God for new life. I thank God for what all is going, everybody that's involved and there's so much activity. That's all wonderful. But whenever we come, we're after a word from God, a word that we take into our spirit that we don't just do the Pentecostal thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Ooh, preach. Man, wow, man, pastor, what a job. Ooh, that was a great thought. Well, so what if we don't do something with it in our life? If it doesn't move the needle, then it's not anything more than, than biblical entertainment. But when we take the word into our spirit and we capture the word and we say, I will engage this word in my life, this week, that's when change can happen. 
And so we must connect with the word. We also need to connect with prayer. Connect with prayer. Matthew 21, 13. And said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. So the obvious question would be, what am I personally doing to help ensure that this remains a house of prayer? What am I doing to make sure that this is a house of prayer and, and it will never become a den of thieves? What can happen in churches is if it is not a house of prayer, it will become a den of thieves. And so we must make sure that we are involved in a manner to where this is a house of prayer. We're going to talk some more about that. Of course, daily, daily, uh, cover your church in prayer daily. We were in Abu Dhabi over by Dubai in that area of the world uh, last year or year before sometime. And, and we were in a hotel room, and I looked up in the hotel room, and there was an arrow on the ceiling. Have any of you ever been in one of those hotel rooms to where there's an arrow? It was pointing to Mecca. So all those Muslims would know which direction Mecca was whenever they knelt down to pray. I got to thinking about something. Why don't you make a practice, and I'm going to start this practice myself, that I am going to turn toward this church Every day and pray. Every day. Every day. Can, can you imagine if, if we would just take a moment, whether you're on your knees praying or, or you just figure out which way to turn and, and pray over this house every day. Pray for the vision. Pray for the leadership. Pray for the people. Let's, let's just, let's make a habit of turning toward. If, listen, if they can do it, if they can turn toward Mecca, we can turn toward New Life Fellowship and we can pray every day. Now, when we move on and we're talking about our prayer room, you have a prayer room here and, and we should not be a stranger to the prayer room. My, my travel schedule now, one of the most aggravating things about, about my travel schedule is I can no longer spend the amount of time I used to be able to spend in the auditorium or in the prayer room praying. Listen, work the prayer room into your life. Work it. If it's just swinging by for 10 or 15 minutes, if it's work the prayer room, there is something about driving to the church and walking in the prayer room and just, I'm not saying that all of your prayer time has to be there. I'm just saying the prayer room needs to be a part of our life. And then there's prayer meetings. When a church prayer meeting is called, do everything possible to attend. I'm talking about church connection. I'm talking about the local church. See, I am totally convinced that the greatest days of this church is in the future. I'm totally convinced of that. I'm totally convinced 
that for the last almost 20 years, there, there has been seed put in to this entire area. And I'm just believing that we've not seen our greatest season of harvest. And so what I'm teaching tonight about this church and the way we view this church will absolutely help us be ready for what God is wanting to do. Then we have worship service prayer. Worship service prayer. We should remain in an attitude of prayer during services. Now, this takes, this takes being very intentional because our minds wonder. Because now, now if you don't, I mean, I, I hear, I hear statistics like, uh, when somebody starts speaking, and I don't know, we've got Brother Grandquist and a couple of ministers here from California. It's so great having them. I don't, I don't know what, what they have heard, but I've heard things like that people decide whether or not they're going to listen to you in the first two minutes or the first minute and a half. Well, the, the thing is now everything is just such in 30 second segments with, with advertisements coming up on YouTube or on social, whatever. I mean, our minds are like this now. They're literally, we're dealing with digital dementia because minds are being rewired. It's a major deal. So what I'm saying is, is when we're, we're going to come in and we're going to sit for an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half or an hour and four, you've got to be intentional about staying clocked in. And so we need to stay in an attitude of prayer. We need to be praying that, that faith will be released. Um, if, if you're in church and somebody in the church body is quickened to you, maybe in service, it might not be for you to go over to them. It may be for you to start praying for them. That's the way that the spirit works. But we must, we must keep our minds in an attitude of prayer during a service. We never know when it's going to be somebody's last service. We, we never know that. We got the news. Um, Terry Westbrook is a, is a, you know, I don't know how old he is. Brayden, he's not my age. He's 51, maybe two, something like that. Uh, a businessman at, at uh, POA. Just, just, I mean, he's a major man in that church. And he owns a construction company, and and yesterday um, a log fell and hit him in the back of the head, and like he's fighting for his life in in Tallahassee, Florida. It's like they're saying they're saying he's not going to make it, and if he does make, I mean, it's just you. We never know, and so it's not like we need to come on to our, our church campus, you know, all in fear and all. We, we just need to be plugged into what's going on because we, we don't know. And God will use us to minister to each other. There's, there's no way pastor can minister to everybody. There's, there's no way. There's no way he can effectively minister to everybody. The body has to minister. And so when we are in a worship service and we're connecting in prayer, even when it's not a called time of prayer. But that moves us to our altar service prayer. You know, I just believe that 
I just believe that when you can tell that the message is about to close, that we need to lean forward and not toward the back door. There literally needs to be so much focus on an altar service. I mean, where we are, we're leaning forward. We, we cannot drop the ball at the altar service. It can't be dropped there. I mean, it, you know, if it's just an, an attitude of, you know, well, hey, you know, he's almost through and we can get out of here. And no, no, that's, that's, that's not good. Um, in your notes, sensitivity is vital during the altar service. Now, we don't force people, but some people do gently need a nudge, and we have to be very, very careful, and we have to be spirit-led because the enemy is trying to mess things up at the altar. And, and just because somebody is weeping does not mean that five people need to pounce on them. We got to have sensitivity in a major way. I've, I've, uh, I, I have taught it at some services at, at some churches. And so I'm, I might as well go ahead and say it here. I've said what they ought to do is, okay, what are those things called that people get in trouble on HOV lanes? Uh, it, it looks like a person, but it's not a person. It's a, one of those dummies right? Mannequin, whatever. Okay. Some apostolic churches need to just put about three of those over on the side. So all these people who think that they need to beat everybody up in the altar could go beat up those mannequins. And, and so then they could take their Kung Fu over there and not, and not in the altars. I'm not, I'm not trying to mess up an altar service. I'm not trying to, to get it to where, you know, we're not apostolic, but when we're talking about an altar service church, it's serious. And sensitivity has to be very, I mean, you have to be very serious. And when it's somebody's guest, I've seen my father, my father was a great soul winner. And I've, I've seen my father step in. Here, he was teaching them Bible studies. He was being their friend. He was bringing them to church. He was praying with them in the altar. And then somebody was going to try to beat them up. Oh, no, not with my dad. Mm-mm. Wasn't going to happen. No, sir. Those altar services are very, very important. So in your notes, we need to establish this. Go home by way of the altar. Go home by way of the altar. We, we should never, we should never let a service end that we don't bow at least our head. Bow a knee, step out in the aisle, come to the front, give, give God an opportunity to, to work not just in us, but through us. Because that is the vital, vital time. Church is just not over until we've responded to the word of God. And thank God that we're in an apostolic church that still has altar services. There's a trend going now that just has my head spinning. That, that there's just churches that, that I guess, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. But I don't have to worry about that because that's not the way it is here. And we have altar services. We've just got to be very sensitive And we've got to understand the importance of connecting in prayer at that time.
Now, now let's talk about another connection here. Um, and I hope I don't make uh, Sister Tammy uncomfortable because I didn't think any of them would be in here. I don't think I will. But this is the pastor connection. Pastor. Now, this is what I feel we need to understand about pastors. They are human, but their position is divine. In that, pastor is mentioned in the fivefold ministry. Now, I know that Jeremiah 3.15 is very true in this church with this pastor, and it's this. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. I sense in this church a great, healthy respect from the pulpit to the chairs and from the chairs to the pulpit. A very healthy respect. Uh, Pastor has such an amazing respect for you. Um, anytime we get the opportunity to be together, he's always talking, he's always talking about how great somebody is in this church. And I feel that from the chairs to him also. And it's, it's well-deserved both directions. What it is in the church, it's a relationship. It's a relationship from the pastor to the people. It's a two-way relationship. And there is a major difference in allowing a pastor to just be a preacher or a pastor. Major difference. Major difference in that. And, you know, and I know some new people, uh, it, you know, it, it may, it may take a little long. I, I got that. I, I understand because uh, relationships take time to build. I, I understand that totally. But in your notes, when I, when I, uh, wrote here, pastoring is shepherding. Pastoring is shepherding. We, we understand that the shepherd used a rod and a staff, right? A rod and a staff. Now, the rod and the staff dealt with protecting, guiding, lifting, and loosing. Protecting, guiding, lifting, and loosing. That's, that's what a shepherd would do. <coughs> Excuse me. If a, if a predator was coming, then that shepherd would use that rod and work on the head of that predator, without a doubt. Now, when we're talking about guiding, the interesting thing about guiding is the sheep determined how much pressure was used. Some sheep, the shepherd, all the shepherd had to do was just nudge. And, and then, you know, it would get to moving, but... Then there were some that had to nudge a little harder, trying to get their attention. And then there was some that had to be gouged, as a matter of fact. And, you know, then it probably just went on from there. You can just work that out in your head. There was the lifting that could be used with the staff and the loosing if they were all tangled up in something. This, this is what pastoring is about. And so people that do not allow somebody to guide, loose, lift, um, that's, that's not a good position to be in. 
I understand it takes time with new people. Got that? I've got that totally. But that's very important. Be in your notes. I believe we should cover your pastor, our pastor, in prayer every day. That his name should be called every day in prayer. Absolutely every day. Um, uh, his family, call their names every day. I'm talking about church connection. I'm talking about church connection on several levels that is, that is so very important. See in your notes, give your pastor the benefit of the doubt. <coughs> give him the benefit of the doubt. I guarantee you there were times, and I see brother with Brother Granquist as with the years that he's had experience in passion, I guarantee you he's felt like this. Have, have you ever just, it would have just been easier on you to just walk to the pulpit and say, okay, all right, you know what? You're questioning things that I've done and you can't figure it out, so now I'll just tell you why I've done what I've done. Uh, the reason why we've got this situation going right here is because he's suing him. And uh, and we tried, we counseled, they, neither one of them would listen. So now it's ended up in court. That's that. Now, you know why this person's sitting here and that, that person's up in the balcony? Was well, because our auditorium is big enough and the judge said that they could both be in the same building if one was here and, and one was there. And, and that one has been having an affair with that one. And then we're in an situation, oh yeah, no, 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 you, you can't do that. You can't do that. Give your pastor the benefit of the doubt. As long as, as long as Pastor Mangan and I worked together, as close as we were, we worked together for 30 years. Even whenever I talked with him, I could tell if he started hedging a little bit, I stopped. Because there were things that he couldn't even share with me, even though we were like this. So give the benefit of the doubt. I had a man get very aggravated with me. Um, he, like, big time aggravated with me. He was a leader in, in the church, and he got all sideways. And so finally we got it worked out. And, uh, and so he, he, he thought something that was absolutely, totally wrong. He had heard something, and he had built something up in his head. It, was, it just it wasn't even close to right. So we finally talk about it and he's in, he looks at me and he says, he says, Pastor Terry, he said, I'm, 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 I'm so sorry. He said, okay, I understand now. Is, is there no problem? I said, no, there's no problem at all. He said, okay. So he started to walk off. I called him by name. I said, Hey, hold on just a second. He came back. I said, I got something to ask you. And he said, he said, what's that? I said, why did, why did the negative meter on me immediately drop when you heard that? I said, I mean, haven't my years connected with you? Didn't I, didn't I at least deserve that it would just stay up here until you found out? And then if you wanted it to drop, then drop it on me. But you didn't even give me a chance. It just, what's the deal? What's up with that? I'm, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, that won't happen again. I said, well, thank you. Just the benefit of the doubt. Just the benefit of the doubt. Listen, not just with pastors, with people in the church, with other leaders. Give them, just can, can we at the house of God give people the benefit of the doubt starting with the pulpit? The benefit of the doubt. 
sometimes to give all the explanation will tear up more than, than what, I mean, there's just times that we have to just be okay not knowing and trusting. D in your notes. This is big. This is big, 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 big. No bad news on Sunday. No bad news on Sunday. Now, if, um, you know, if, it, if, if there's bad news, it just absolutely has to be shared. Then after he preaches on Sunday, after he preaches, I mean, I cannot tell you how hard it was to walk out of an office and, and from an office to the platform, this one stopped me that was mad. This one that had a problem with this. This one was aggravated. And I was, and I was supposed to walk up on the platform like, oh, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Are you nuts? I mean, it's, well, why? Because we're human. Just no, no bad news on Sunday. I believe that the enemy goes to and fro seeking who may distract the one in the pulpit. Don't be the one the enemy uses. Do not be that one. You say, well, now, you know, do we just not uh, carry our... No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying if we ever, if we ever elevate the importance of, of a Sunday service, especially Sunday morning, because that's when most of the guests come. There is no way to, to explain the importance of a Sunday morning service. No way. And we've got to get that elevated to where we're coming on Sunday morning and we park our personal issues. And we just, we do the kingdom thing on, on Sunday morning, and then we can get back to the other things. E in your notes. Honor the 15 most crucial moments of a service. I'm talking about connecting at church. Honor the most, the 15 most crucial moments. I believe that that is from the time the message is closing, going into the altar service right there. That's the crucial time. Now, it's very crucial not to distract the pastor at that point because here's what happens. He will be ministering and the Spirit will point out people in the congregation. And what happens is, is at that closing time, one minute we can, we can miss something major if we're, if we're stopped from getting to that person. Uh, there's got to be free flow, and that I'm talking from the time the message is is closing. That 15 minute run right there, we've got to be sensitive. We have got to let the spirit work because the word has gone forth, and that's the most fertile time for somebody to make major decisions. And the church has to be focused in at that point. And then F, be kind to the pastor's family. Now, now here, now here's what would be great is if we're just kind to everybody's family, to everybody's family. It's not, it's not just a pastor thing. We've, we must create a culture of kindness. And I can tell you, unless I'm being fooled, 
this is really a kind church. You people have been extremely, extremely nice, and, and, I've, and I thank you for that. But getting back to the pastor's family, remember they're human, and nothing upsets like seeing your family hurt. And here's the issue. Headship is a major issue in the Word of God. So we're thinking headship of the church, and we're thinking headship of your homes. Because the enemy is after headship. You, if you're the head of a household, you've got a major target on you. And then you can times 10 that on, on the pastor of this church. And so we have to be very careful ab- about all of these things. I am like many of you. I'm like many of you. Some of the greatest hurt that I have ever experienced was inside a church. Church hurt and home hurt is huge hurt because those are two places that we think we can exhale or we should. And it's like when you get hurt in a major way at home or at church, it's like getting sucker punched because you wasn't expecting it. So I I understand that. It just should not be among us. It just shouldn't be. Luke 17, 1 and 2 says this, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. So let's not miss the message here. Offenses are going to come in this world. We live in a fallen world. Offenses are going to come, but here's the message, but woe to the offender. Woe to the offender. I believe that we all need to be very, very careful how we walk in our lives, how we walk in in our homes, in, in the house of God, because it's woe to the offender. I don't have time to go into an explanation on woe. Why don't you do a study on woe in the word of God and then understand that it's woe to the offender. You do not want to be an offensive person. You, you do not want to be an offensive person. We need to be in a situation of helping each other handle offenses, not being an offender. And then when we look at church connection, we go to others. And I'm going to turn up the speed here a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. When we're thinking about others, John 15, 11, and 12. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Romans 12 and 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. And so I believe that the order of importance in a church service is God, and then A is guest. Guest. We must develop an eye for guest. Those who are not of the household of faith. Now, I don't know what your experience was, but was there anyone here that the first time you came into this church that you thought people were weird or you kind of got 
weirded out a little bit. Okay, can you leave your hand up? All right, okay. All right. The good thing here is the, the percentage of uh, hands raised right there wasn't as many as I've gotten in some places. So, so that, that is good. Um, this needs to, the top, top two tiers, God and guest. God and guest. If, if some stranger is sitting in the seat that you usually always sit in, surely you will not ask them to move. Surely. If, if somebody is in the hallways and they look like they don't know where they're going, surely we'd stop and say, hey, is there, you know, can I help you? What, what do you, um, surely if we could walk in and see someone that is sitting by themselves, by themselves, you know. Now, some people want to sit by themselves, but we need to risk a conversation where they tell us we would rather be by ourselves. I'm talking about guests. And then we move to the church family, connecting with church family, our brothers and sisters. This, we, we really need to be a church that, that locks in on celebrations. We need to be people who can celebrate people. We, we need to get better at celebrating people. Whatever their accomplishments are that we hear about, celebrate it. Uh, if, if, they, if they get a new vehicle and, and ours is broke down, uh, that's going to be a major test on can we celebrate? Can we celebrate that? Uh, let's celebrate. If it's birthdays, if it's anniversaries, graduations, promotions, births, what, whatever, let's celebrate and then let's also let's show our care for those in need when, when we see their names come up on the screen, that there's sickness or there's been death. Or, or if, somebody, if somebody's family member ends up in the news in a negative way, then that's not the time to move back from them that's the time to move toward them and just handshake, I love you, I'm praying for you, and ask no questions. Ask no questions because the unfortunate thing about ending up in the news is many times the story's not even right. And then they, they wouldn't, they, you know, news wouldn't be a big deal if they went back and retracted everything they did wrong. That, that just does not happen. And so what we need to do is we need to be sensitive to one another and we need to respond. Luke 631, it's, you know, it's called the golden rule and literally it's pure gold. Um, as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. My, if we just live by that, I, you know, I can show you how I would like for you to respond to me. By how I respond to you. I can, you know, we can just, it's not hard. It's really not hard. We, we talk to people the way we want them to talk to us. We respond to people the way we want them to respond to us. We respond to everybody else's children the way we want them to respond to our children. It's just do as you would that men would do to you, do ye also unto them. All right, why don't we talk about resources, connecting with our resources. Time and talent, our time and talent, our time and talent must be invested in the ministry of the church. 
Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke. Provoke does not have to be a bad word. To provoke unto love and good works. And when we're talking about provoking unto love and good works, love and good works is just another way of saying ministry. And I believe that everybody should be involved in at least, deeply involved in at least one ministry of the church. Every, everyone. And then when we talk about our treasure, that's our tithes, our offerings. Uh, we don't need any God robbers in leadership, and we sure don't need any God robbers as ushers. I mean, my goodness, you know, I mean, somebody leading that doesn't pay their tithes or somebody taking up offering that doesn't pay their tithes. Folks, uh, I, I, just, I just feel sorry for people that do not get the understanding of the value of paying tithes and giving in offerings. There, there's literally two levels of, of living, and tithing is about trust. It's about trust. It's about trust in who? God. And I can tell you God's economy, that the economy of the United States is never going to even become a fraction of what God's economy is. I shared stories the other night whenever I preached here, but and there's even been more since then. It's just absolutely amazing what God can do when we honor him, when we honor him. And let's end with this connection, and let's, let's talk about it. It'll look a little bit negative uh, uh, whenever I name it, but it's the enemy. We have to connect with the enemy. You say, well, I'm trying to not do that. Well... The, the apostolic church is going to have to wake up and understand that we are in a war. So before I even read these verses and make some comments about this, listen. Quit thinking that you're going to get to a spiritual level that you're not going to have fights with the enemy. Quit thinking that. It's, it's, it's absurdity that people think that we're going to be able to pray to a level to where we're going to be able to just turn around and immediately call off and, and everything's always going to be calm if we can get to some spiritual level. Not on this earth. We are on, we are in a, we are a fallen man in a fallen world. And if we would just read all of the Bible instead of promise book theology, we would see what, what all of this is. Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It will not prevail, but it will assail. There's going to be fights. We're, we're in spiritual warfare. And so what we're going to have to learn how to do is we're going to have to learn how to fight. The problem with a lot of people in church is they have never studied how to fight. And it's really, you know, I mean, have a good day. But the truth is, fight or die. Well, I just, I don't want to, you know, pick a fight with the devil, whatever. You're not going to have to pick it. It's coming to you. I heard one man was preaching, and, and maybe I just don't understand it is clear as him, but he was saying that, you know, the devil goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom may, may devour. Well, you know what? I'm going to use that in a minute, so I'll say that then. Ephesians 6, 10, and 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Be strong in the Lord. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I may have said this here before. Back in the day when they were doing horseback warfare, they didn't aim to kill the horses. They aimed to kill the warriors. Okay? People are horses for spirits. And so there's always a spirit trying to ride us into the church. Always. And so what happens is, many times, is we get so strung out and we stay strung out about people that we don't elevate it to what is the, the big picture is, is spirits use people. Now, I'm not just talking about demon possession. I'm talking about spirits use people. I don't want evil spirits to use me to cause confusion in the church. And so we need to start elevating our thinking and not just praying against people, but praying against the spirits that are using the people. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Moving quickly to a close, 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And one man was preaching that it was just an old lion that would roar and because he didn't have any more fight in him or lost his teeth or whatever. And, and I, I said, well, you know, okay, if that's the truth, then I guess these are gum marks in my rear end. All, all I know is, is that there, you know, I've been in some fights. So explain it however you want, if it's teeth, if it's whatever. You know, this, this stuff is spiritual warfare, folks. And we had better learn to fight. We had better learn to fight. God is trying to make us a warrior while some are trying to make him a butler. God is trying to make us a warrior, and there's a lot of people trying to make God their butler. It, this is, it's not going to work. It will not work. We have to fight. So we will never maintain a strong, multi-generational apostolic church if we're not fighters. We've got to learn to fight. We've got to answer the call to arms. We fight for the advancement of our own personal lives, for our lives as couples, for our lives as families. We will fight for this church to, to remain and gain in levels of spiritual authority. We must fight not each other, but the enemy. First John 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I have heard another great leader say that the hope of the world is the local church. I believe that. I believe that, that the local church is extremely valuable. But I also believe that the local church can only be as strong as the individual members who come and the families that come. 
God has done great things. God wants to do even greater things. And I just believe these are some thoughts that can help us maximize the impact that the local church has when the body comes together. Amen? Amen. Can we stand together? This is what I'd like for us to do. Why don't you, uh, why don't you connect with someone right now? I don't ask people to do that a lot, but I think it would be fitting for tonight. Just the church body connecting together. And can we pray right now for our brothers and sisters? It could be your, your spouse or a family member. It could be a friend. But can we just pray right now for someone else? Let's pray a blessing on them. Pray, pray whatever the Spirit prompts you to pray right now over them. Let the power of your Spirit do the work. Give us revelation, God. Oh, God, give us revelation. I pray for the uplifting of anyone that is, that is downtrodden tonight. Anyone who needs direction, revelation, I pray for it. I believe for the power of your Spirit to do the work. God, you know what we need. God, you know what you have put in this church, and we want it all to come to maturity. We want to walk in the power and the dominion and authority that, that you have given. Let the power of your Spirit direct us. Help us the rest of the week. Help us be a light to somebody. Give us wisdom to share. Let us be discerning on our jobs at school, where, wherever we are in our homes. And let the power of your spirit guide us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Go, go forth the rest of this week and be a representative of, of this church. And let God use you.